Welcome back to the Equity Matters Podcast. This is your host, Addis JV3. And as you can tell, I'm outside. And part of that was very intentional. I thought about what I wanted to do for the next episode, and I wanted to switch things up a bit. You've gotten quite used to my office, and it's a little stuffy in there. Also, shout out to my wife who took all of the boys to her mom's house. And so I've got like full creative freedom this weekend. And so I said, I'm going to get up, I'm going to get outside, I'm going to take some pictures, and I'm going to do something that I've wanted to do for quite some time. And so here I am outside of the Michigan State Capitol. You look in the background, you can see the Capitol building. And I've been researching this one particular location for quite some time because I wanted to make sure that I had the backdrop being the Capitol. And I had somewhere to sit because, y'all, it is hot. It is 80-something degrees, and the air quality still is not that great. You're going to hear cars behind me because this is live. So this is a real thing. So bear with me. And also got a microphone now so i've got a mic that's hopefully going to cut out some of the extra wind but we'll see how that goes that's what happens when you put a little bit of money into the thing that you want to see prosper so what are we talking about today and part of the reason why we're here outside of the capitol is because i wanted to talk about politics and not just politics as the way that you think about it with the legislature when you think about the senate congress whatever i'm talking about respectability politics and I'm thinking about some of the challenges that people of color have faced when it comes to playing the game. And so, of course, in titling today's episode, The Mask We Wear, I'm thinking about the ways that we've had to minimize ourselves or to not show up as authentic as we would like. So first things first, let's define respectability politics. In the simplest of terms, it is a manner of subjugating yourself to the dominant theories or what do the dominant majority do in order to be deemed as acceptable or appropriate when i think about that it makes me want to gag and i'm not going to sit up here and act like i've never participated in or benefited from respectability politics but it's something i'm a lot more conscious of when we think about the ways that for instance black women have to change their hair why else would you see something like the crown act being passed if there wasn't an issue or a problem where people had to change the way they were to show up in certain spaces. You think about professionalism or professionalism as perhaps even a form of white supremacy, the ways that we conduct ourselves and etiquette and manners. All of these things play a role in respectability politics. The thing that we don't talk about as often is the fact that respectability politics is definitely stemmed from a form of white supremacy. When you think about what is the standard, what is acceptable, what is appropriate, what people want to see, that didn't come from here. So what do we do about it? There's a lot to consider. Now, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was preparing this episode, I was thinking about the fact that in order to survive in many cases, you have to play the game. And so I've had black supervisors for a while. And I recall a situation where things were getting pretty hectic between me and a certain constituent. And I remember talking to my supervisor at the time and she mentioned that, you know, sometimes these are the things that we have to do. And this is the cost of black leadership. And it stung me in a way that I don't think I really took time to recognize when I think about the fact that the, here she is, a black woman who's made it to the highest of ranks that you can make it in a certain position. And she still finds herself having to sacrifice pieces of herself to show up. That's unfair. And I didn't want to say anything at that particular time. I've had time to reflect on it. And it still bothers me to this day. It's unfair. It's unfortunate that we have to take pieces of ourselves and slice them off in order to say that I am acceptable here or that I belong here. Because 
if I'm bringing only a piece of myself to the table, then I'm not there. Right. You think about it. I don't actually belong if I am not bringing my full self into the space. There are so many consequences that you have to bear in mind with that. I think about survival in particular, but I think about people's economic livelihood. Am I willing to lose my job because I can't have my hair out authentically or naturally? People have to make that decision every day. Am I not going to cuss someone out because they have said something to me where I feel like I have a genuine reaction and I deserve to be heard, especially if they've had a chance to be heard? These are all things that you have to take into consideration. So what do we do about respectability politics? One is to acknowledge that it's there, to acknowledge that there are instances of power differentials. When I think about and I hear the word politics, the first word that comes to mind is power. And then you start to think about order and hierarchy. You start to see that there's certain conditions in which people of color are not allowed to be uh, full participants in the majority's game. And you play the respectability politics card in a way to navigate and maneuver throughout that space. It also calls into question this idea that I. It also calls into question this idea that I'm not able to fully immerse myself authentically. What matters to you in this moment? Do you matter? Does it matter that you are not being able to be your whole self? Are you accepting that? And the biggest issue, perhaps, is the fact that it starts to center whiteness in a way where we don't disrupt oppressive hierarchical systems. If we continue to just play the game, we maneuver in a game that was not created by us, not to benefit us, and it positions us further off. And so it's intentional in calling it out and saying, you know, I'm not not doing that. That's not how I'm going to function. That's not how I'm going to maneuver. Because at the end of the day, I want all of us to be whole. I want all of us to be able to say, I brought my whole self to work, my full, unbridled, uncensored, black ass self. And that should be OK. And if it's not OK, the people around you may need to change, not necessarily you. I think in many cases, I found myself in places and situations where I wasn't being myself. And over time, I started to recognize that. I started to recognize that I didn't feel good. That burnout came a lot sooner than it should have because I was doing twice as much damage to myself as the conditions that I was sitting in. And so it's important for us as people of color, if we're playing this game, right, if we're in these spaces where we're not the majority, that we're, we're not subjecting ourselves to conditions where it's wearing and tearing on our psychological state. It's, it's unfortunate. It's a real thing, but we have to be able to call that out. And so the mask we wear is a decision that we make every day if we're going to wear the mask, if that is the way that we want to show up. And quite frankly, I'm taking the mask off and I've taken it off for quite some time now. I think I've been able to navigate in spaces where people know what to expect from me. And that's not to say that I'm all of a sudden rude, that I'm all of a sudden calling people out in ways that is demeaning. That's not the case at all. But understand that if we're talking about something and clear instances of racism or white supremacy or any form of oppression show up, I'm going to call it out. And I feel like I have a responsibility to do so, because when you don't, when you ignore it, when you neglect the fact that it's there, you're only allowing the system to continue to thrive in that particular environment. So you think about it. I come from I don't really come from a science background, but I did enjoy biology at one point in time. And you think about a Petri dish. When you think about what's inside of that Petri dish, if you do not disturb that environment, it will continue to manifest. It will continue to grow and it will spread. But the moment that you decide to alter the conditions of that environment, 
you can change a lot. And so the same rules apply when it comes to white supremacy, when it comes to respectability politics. The moment that you call it out, the moment that you decide that this is enough, that is the point at which we start to make change. So that is the brief message on the mask we wear. But there are so many other things that are happening right now in real time that I feel like, do I take a stance on what I've seen in the news over the past 48 hours? Yeah, that's my job. I'm a podcaster and I think I'm taking on this influencer role again, but I'm also a creator. All of these things are true. All those pieces are pieces of me. And so as far as the Supreme Court goes, wow, we knew that things would happen, but I didn't think they were going to happen this fast and this violently. Um, it's so disruptive to consider the changes that have been made to affirmative action in a matter of hours. I think about people who have willingly acknowledged that they have benefited from these type of systems and been able to go on to higher education and to get the highest of degrees. And now we're talking about this idea that that may not be feasible for all. And I also consider the fact that, again, these systems are racist. And so they're designed to do racist things and to have racial inequities be the outcome. I don't know if there are. I don't know if I'm as surprised. I'm disappointed. I think that there are far too many people who are brilliant, who are intelligent, who don't get the same share of resources, that don't get the same type of opportunities. And unfortunately, the outcomes for folks like that aren't always good. And when they are people of color, it's even worse. And so uh, Supreme Court, that's some bullshit. Take two, student loans. I have a lot of student loans. I checked my credit report yesterday. And I, the first thing that stood out was my total debt amount and being a homeowner and having multiple degrees. That number is really, really high. And I'm really disappointed that, again, instances of relief are not available. I feel like in many cases we were sold this dream that we would be able to go on to higher education. There will be jobs waiting for us, careers. Um, lucrative careers, define that how you want, but being able to have a standard of living that is acceptable. And that hasn't been the case. I know far too many people who are currently looking for jobs and have been looking for years now, even pre-pandemic looking for years now. And whatever the proposed amount was, whether it be 10,000, 20,000 something, will offer some form of relief. Now, I haven't paid student loans in a while um, because I was in school at the height of the pandemic when the order came out for the loans to stop. But I also haven't been paying because obviously they're on pause. I'm gonna have to pay a large amount at some point in time and I'm tight about it. What am I gonna do? I can't ignore it because I've got kids and a family and I've gotta make sure that they're squared away. But I also feel like I can't pay it because I've got kids and a family and I need to make sure that they're squared away. And so we're in a very tight situation and it's unfair. And again, it's I feel like people of color who bear the brunt of these issues. And sure, there are white people out there who have student loans. I'm not here to disagree with that. But I'm also saying that people of color are more likely to take out student loans. They're also more likely to bear the burden of multiple degrees with student loans. And so all of those things you put into consideration, it's a fucked up system. And I'm not sure what we do about it. I, I, I don't know. I what I do know is that reform is necessary. And I feel like it takes the, the best and the brightest, the people that come together and say, hey, we got to do something about this. And 
at some point that's going to have to come to fruition. At some point, we're going to have to sit down and have all our partners from criminal justice, all our partners from housing, from education, from healthcare. all of those places need to come together. I don't know where the venue is, but we got to really sit down and we got to talk about some of the inequities that we've created. We've got to talk about some of the things that we've held in place, the things that we've allowed to manifest for far too long. And we got to redesign everything. We've got to start from the from the bottom. I don't I don't think we can just um, rebuild while we're in the system, because you think about the roots. The roots are built on oppression. They're built on subjugation and discrimination. So whatever plants you whatever seeds you plant in that environment is just going to come back uh, even more racist, if not as racist as it is now. So all of those things need to be taken into consideration. We need to go ahead and start from scratch. But that's for dreamers, right? Those are for the people who dream, who can imagine, who can make things happen. And I feel like the listeners of Equity Matter podcast are those type of people. And so as we continue to forge ahead, we've got some difficult decisions to make, but we can do that because we are believers in a better tomorrow and we have the tools and the resources to do those things today. Speaking of tools and resources, I have been in a creative space lately and it feels good. I've created these uh, tip sheets for inclusive facilitation. You can think about them as ways to incorporate intersectionality into your facilitation, how to make sure that people feel like they belong, that they feel included. I will be sure to link that into my uh, podcast notes. Definitely worthwhile. There are, I think there's four different sets now. And coming off of Pride Month, I wanted to take a particular look at how do we ensure that our LGBTQ friends feel included in the work that we do. I realize that parts of people's identity often get left out. And so making sure, as I mentioned previously, that people feel whole in the spaces that they occupy, because that to me is most important. So I'll be sure to link that into the podcast notes. As always, there are details on ways that we can collaborate that will also be linked in there. Right now, the biggest news for me is I'm taking my time and I'm enjoying that tremendously. I think it is a great, great feeling to be able to say, I'm not going to record an episode every week. I'm going to record an episode when I feel inspired, when I have the space to do so. And that's the the path that I'm going to take from here on out. So like I told you in the last episode, I'm not sure when you'll hear me again, but I promise you that you will. So until next time, folks, I want you to take care. Uh, Feel free to follow me on Instagram. I've got I don't know how often I'm going to update the Equity Matters podcast page. I might just release episodes, but it's still there. That's Equity Matters podcast on Instagram. I'm at isjb 3 on Instagram. And of course, all of these links are in the notes for the episode. So until next time, folks, take care of yourselves. Stay safe. If the air quality isn't great where you are, put a mask on, stay inside, especially if you've got uh, lung or respiratory issues. It's not worth coming outside if it's going to kill you. So until next time, that's the third time I've said it. So that means I've got to commit to it. Take care of yourselves. Equity matters.